Radical Personal Finance is presented to you ad-free thanks to the generous support of the listeners of the show. If you'd like information on how you can join, please go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. So you got a bunch of kids. That means automatically that your life is finished, right? You know, you got six kids, so you need to buckle down and live where you don't want to live and, you know, take a, have a big house with a big mortgage and work a job that you don't want to work simply to support your family, right? Sorry, not true. These are choices. My guest today, he and his wife have six kids. And they're living on the road full-time, traveling the world with their entire family. It's pretty cool. Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets, and today is Wednesday, Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, Tuesday, February 24, 2015. <laughs> I don't want to miss a day. I don't want to get to another day. Today is Tuesday, and my guest is an awesome guy. I think you're going to like him. His name is Greg Denning, and he and his wife, Rachel, are doing exactly that. They're living on the road with their six kids. I've been watching Greg and Rachel's website for years now. Their primary website was uh, is, a, is a site called discovershareinspire.com, and it's just fascinated me, uh, the lifestyle they've been able to build for themselves. And I think you're really going to enjoy this, uh, showing how you can build a life. That, I mean, I don't even need to, go, need to go into it anymore. You can build a lifestyle that's your choice. It's your choice. And that's what we talk about on this show every day. Choose the life that you want to live and live it. And there's all kinds of aspects to that, which is what we talk about. We talk about the technical aspects of it. How do you actually technically accomplish it? How do you accomplish it in an efficient way? There's also the aspects of inspiration and encouragement and understanding how to go about things and understanding, frankly, that you have the permission to design things the way that you'd like to design them. Uh, and one of the things that oftentimes holds people back is, is kids, which is uh, – or excuse me – it doesn't actually hold people back, but people feel like they're being held back is by their kids. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring uh, Greg on the show to to share this story. Greg's an awesome guy. Again, he and his wife, Rachel, they have six kids. They're living on the road. He is one of the most enthusiastic people that <laughs> that I know. And as you'll hear in the interview, uh, it's, not a, it's not a front. Uh, don't be <laughs> – he actually is this enthusiastic all the time. But you know what? I'll just let him share his story with you. <laughs> Greg, welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. I appreciate you being with me. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So, dude, you are a radical kind of guy, and I think you wear that that badge pretty uh, <laughs> pretty proudly. But you <laughs> certainly don't fall into the the norms of society in just about any way, do you? No, I was actually thinking about that the other day. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty unconventional <laughs> and, and kind of out there. So, yeah, it, it's kind of – it'll be fun. It'll be really fun to talk about. And I think some of the things I might have to share uh, might, you know, might cause some thought and some <laughs> – to see things a little differently. Well, good. That's what we're all about. So kick it off. I'd love to hear a little bit of your story with uh, how you went from wherever you started to living this crazy lifestyle with your whole family on the road full time. Yeah, it's actually it's actually a really great story. I, I grew up in a broken home. I ended up out on my own at an early age, and and sometimes you know with with little to eat and and nowhere to stay, and we went through some really hard years. And so you know, kind of fought through that. Knew I I wanted didn't want to stay in that kind of situation or that kind of poverty or ignorance or anything. I really wanted to to create a great life, you know, and you, and you see people and you're like, Hey man, they're, they're living a, a great life. If, if it's doable, I can do it. So I really went after it, you know, and, and kind of set a course of, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a degree, get a good job. And we settled into that. I had a great job and we, you know, picked up our mortgage and bought a little house and, and we're living, you know, the little American dream that it's kind of prescribed. And honestly, it was really good. We had a good life and we just kept reading and reading. My wife and I are voracious readers and learners and we came across some other ideas, you know, and some unconventional ideas. And at first you kind of reject and like, that's crazy. You can't do that. And we started to think differently and made some investments and did some different things and kind of, you know, really felt strongly that we wanted to 
go out into developing countries and try to make a difference. You know, I'd been through some tough times and I'd, I'd spent some time in Peru before I got married and thought, you know, honey, let's, let's see if we can do this. And so several years ago, we, we, we said, okay, we're, we're going to go for it. We're going to quit the, 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 the paycheck that comes every other week and we're going to sell our house and we're going to sell our stuff and we're going to try to live a different lifestyle and it has just been one amazing adventure, uh, ups and downs, but it's absolutely incredible. And so together, we have six children now. Uh, we started out with four kids and, you know, went and lived in Central America and then in the Caribbean and Dominican Republic. Then we went to India. Uh, then we've driven really slow kind of overland travel through Alaska, the Yukon, Canada, the U.S., Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, and, and and Nicaragua and now in Costa Rica again where we're living now. And so it's been a, it's been an absolutely wonderful journey and really unconventional, kind of crazy, but it, it you know for us it's been our dream and it's it's really been a wonderful wonderful experience. Why do you want to live this kind of lifestyle? You know it it, it kind of resonates to live deliberately. And that that's what Rachel and I like to say. We we want to live consciously and deliberately. We we really resist what for us would be a humdrum existence. And I, man, I want to be really, really clear. I don't recommend my life to anybody else. I just, <laughs> I recommend that people live their dream, live their life, not, not my dream. But I say, you know, live your dream, whatever it is, live it. And for us, this is our dream. We want to see this beautiful world and try to have a positive difference. We want to have new experiences and grow and learn. Every time we go somewhere new, I feel like I come back a better person. Like I've learned something and grown. And I, and I just feel, I guess if I could just sum it up, I feel alive. I don't want to get up and dread my life. Uh, dread. I don't want to go to a job I don't like. I don't want to just live just to pay the bills. I want to live deliberately. How, when you originally set out and decided that travel was going to play a big role in at least your dreams and then you were going to try to build it into your lifestyle, uh, were you rich? Whew, no. <laughs> no. But you know what? I, I bought into the idea that you had to have lots of money in order to travel. And so we had quite a bit of savings and I had some investments in the stock market and in real estate. Um, and so we went out initially that way and we're, we were spending a lot of money and we had expenses back home. And then ended up, you know, when, when things kind of tightened up a little bit in 2007, 2008, we lost almost all of our investments. And so we had to refocus. We had to go back. And I'm, I'm grateful it happened because it forced us to, to question a few uh, assumptions and a few common beliefs there and, and to revisit uh, what's really necessary and what we really wanted as far as owning stuff and things and, and consumerism and, and what kind of lifestyle we wanted to live. And so, man, you, I really went back to the drawing board and revisited that. And so, no, it, you know, there's there's a different way to do it, and it, you don't have to be rich um, to live your your lifestyle. There's other ways to do it. Being rich is great; it's wonderful, uh, and there's there's a, a way to do that as well. But you don't have to be rich to live an unconventional lifestyle. What did you do differently after your investments declined in value? What did you do differently from what you were doing before? We became, in a way, minimalists. <laughs> we just we thought, wait a minute, okay, you know, if we if we can clear out, um, it, I don't know, we just kind of came to the realization that the, the more everything you own or are buying or everything you have in your possession takes up uh, thought or time or space or attention. You have to move it, clean it, insure it, take care of it, pay for it, fix it up. I mean, everything you have, and so. We kind of moved to this idea of let's let's keep the stuff that really brings great value in our life, and let's get rid of everything else. And so it's not we're not the kind of minimalist like sell everything and, and walk around in a loincloth and have nothing, but more so of if it doesn't add real value to the kind of life we want to live, um, or it ends up taking away time, attention, or resources from the kind of life we want to live, then we're better off not having it. And so we got rid of the stuff and we don't, we don't acquire much. We try to keep it real simple, but we live, we still live comfortably. You know, I still have a, still have my MacBook pro and my iPhone six and this microphone I'm talking into. I still got things that from work or, or for passion and purpose we use, 
But other than that, we try to live really simply. What have you learned in trying to do that with kids? This seems to be the challenge. My wife and I, we have two kids. One uh, is eight, uh, 18 months old and the other is on the way coming this summer. And one of the challenges is, and I know you, you're, how old are your kids at this point? So first of all, congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> oh, and man, 18 months is fun, fun, fun. It's busy. Um, so my oldest is 12 and my youngest is, she just turned one. So you're, you have them right in that stage is all the way from the one where there's all of the paraphernalia for wee little ones to, uh, I guess, just kids all along the way. And one of the biggest challenges, my wife and I are also aspiring minimalists, uh, so we try to keep just things simple. But man, at least in the U.S., kids come with a lot of stuff. Is, was your secret just to move out of the U.S. where kids don't come with that much stuff? Or, or what's, uh-huh. what strategies do you have to, to live this kind of lifestyle with kids? No, you're right. It's it's kind of funny. And so we've been back and forth. Well, we, I haven't been back in the States now. Well, I go back for visits and things. I go to speak and go to conferences and things like that. But like living in the States, we, the last place we lived was Alaska. And that's kind of different. It's kind of, it's kind of like its own country up there, which is it's really cool. I like Alaska a lot. But no, so I guess living in what the lesson's called the lower 48, it's been a while. And yeah, we, we, were, we were practicing minimalists there too. And it was really, really funny the neighbors would feel sorry for us. And they would like, literally they'd be like, Hey, do you want us to buy some things for your kids? <laughs> we're like, no, 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 no. You're misunderstanding. We're not a charity project here. We're doing this purposely. We don't have a lot of stuff. And, and yeah, it's easier. It's easier abroad, I think, but to get caught up, a lot of us get caught up. We get consumed by consumerism. I like to say, and we get the stuff and the thing. And, and there's always an exchange rate for that. What we've found, though, is the less we have in toys and gadgets and big bags and piles of things for the kids, the more creative they are, the more time they spend with each other and outdoors, which we're big, big advocates for spending time outdoors. And they'll be so creative. We'll buy them. They, they, like our little ones love to do clay, and they'll make these amazing creations. I mean, they some incredible stuff, and they spend more time – you know, painting and drawing and practicing musical instruments and, you know, building, you know, building things with their hands and playing outside. And for us, that's, that's a lot of value. Now they still, you know, they still get on the iPad and, you know, do some, they do, they like to do their studies on there and, and some of those other things. But, but we found that if we, even if we keep it simple with them, it makes their life more simple and more real. You know what I'm saying? And so you kind of, you're more connected as a family and more connected to the people around you. Where? So explain to me your trip so far. You started in Alaska, and you just drove south? Or where have you gone, and where are you going at this point with your family? Yeah. So this was crazy. We, we were in India um, helping people who have leprosy. And it was just such southern India, out in the rural, way out in the middle of nowhere. It was such a special experience. And uh, we got pregnant with number five, Atlas, and we debated whether to have him over in India. It's pretty different over there. It's India's India's pretty different. I really love it, but it's quite different. So we ended up. We said, you know, let's let's go let's go back to the states somewhere, and and it just worked out to to come back to have the baby. And so we thought, well, where should we go? Well, my mother in law had just moved to Alaska. Neither of us had been there. We thought, boy, let's go to Alaska. So our flight was into Atlanta, Georgia. We got off. Within two days, I bought a van for our family, and we drove across the U.S. and up the, the Alcan Highway up to through Canada, British Columbia, and Alberta, and the, the Yukon, Alaska. Oh, it was wonderful. Were you we heading lived, for a job, or just you decided we'll go and figure nope. it out when we get there? Yeah, just figure it out when we get there. Yep. Okay. And so we went up there. And just I mean, the, the, the goal was to experience Alaska and have a baby up there. So we got up there, ended up spending a year. Had a really great experience. Just love Alaska. And then we said, you know what? Where do we go next? And we were, we were trying, we, you know, Thailand was on the radar and Colombia was on the radar. And we thought, you know what? We are all the way up the top here. And I've heard of people actually traveling from from Alaska all the way to Argentina. And it was a crazy idea. I mean, it was nuts. And we're like, come on, no way, you know? But it started to grow on us, and we thought, you know, we can do it slow and just kind of move along. And so we ended up buying a, a, a big truck. That our, we, we changed out our vehicle, and, 
it just worked out just right to get a vehicle that would work for the overlanding. And, and so we, we pulled out of Alaska four years ago and just slowly started making our way south, you know, exploring and experiencing, visiting with people, building incredible friendships, meeting wonderful people and, and seeing things we never knew existed and just slowly meandered through, like I mentioned previously, through Canada and the Western United States and four months just meandering through Mexico and a month in Belize. Ended up staying a year and a half in Guatemala because we set up a, uh, a humanitarian organization to try to help them. They're, they're pretty impoverished and, and undernourished there. And so that's still going. And, and so we stayed there for a while and then a couple, couple months on the beach in Nicaragua. And then we've been, we've been here in Costa Rica for a year. And that's where number six was born down here. And from here, are you gonna you gonna ship over ship 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 around uh, the Darien Gap and start in South America, or, or what's, what's so next? that that was the plan, <laughs> and and we still want to do that. So yeah, you you drive in through you drive to Panama, you go into Cologne, which is um, on the Caribbean side, just another side of Panama City, and you ship from Cologne into Cartagena, Colombia, to get across the Darien Gap. And we will do that, and then explore the rest of South America. We want to see every country down there. <laughs> But we really, I don't know, we, it just kind of, without planning, it just kind of popped up this uh, desire and kind of an impression to, to go over to, to Europe and Africa. And so we actually, this year, our plan is to head to, we're going to fly into Barcelona and spend, you know, spend a few months in Spain, Portugal, and France, and then do a few months in Morocco and spend some time in Africa. And then go over and maybe see a little bit of uh, Israel, Egypt, um, Eastern Europe. And just kind of do that. We don't feel like that'll be long term, but we just kind of go over there. We want to experience that and, and get some different languages, different cultures. I've already studied, started learning French now. I'm practicing that to get over there. So, you know, just some different cultures, different uh, customs, different languages, and then come back over and then finish the rest of this trip in South America. So it sounds pretty cool uh, for those of us who are an adventurous sort. But how <laughs> how practically do you actually pay for your life on the road? Are you earning income? Is it all? Do you have real estate in the U.S. still, or how practically do you pay for your life on the road? Right, and and I know this sounds crazy. Some people were like, "That is nuts," and and it is. I, I acknowledge that it is crazy lifestyle. But you know, we we we'll rent a place. So, you know, we come down, we rent a place, a beautiful place on the beach or in the mountains. We enjoy the people and the culture and, and try to do some service and make things happen. And it, it actually is, it's slow, it's, it's deliberate, it's, we keep our family routines, we do the same thing, you know, the same things whether we're moving or, or staying in a place. And, and so we live, we live a life, that, it's a great life, it really is. So the way we pay for it is, we, and we've done several different things, but now... Um, I'm an educational mentor, and so I mentor mostly youth and young adults in a classical-based education. And so I do. There's there's so many great softwares and so many great resources and technology that come along. Just even in the last five years that have made that possible. And so I meet with on a daily basis. I meet with youth and young adults and some adults um, for educational mentoring, and that's the bulk of what we do. We've also started a site called WorldSchoolAcademy.com. Which really is just, it's helping parents with other options. We're so passionate about education. And so helping whether people homeschool or unschool or they want to travel or live abroad or, or whatever they want to do, public school, private school, just give educational resources for families. So that's, that's the bulk of what we're doing. My wife is also a web designer, so she does some web design when she wants to. Um, and that's, that's the bulk of what we're doing right now. And I can do that wherever there's a, a decent internet connection. So this world uh, this tutoring um, so essentially you're doing having skype meetings kind of coaching type of things parents will hire you to coach their children uh and to mentor their children is that the type of thing you're talking yep. about yeah exactly i do teach a, uh, i do te- teach a couple leadership uh courses on an academy a williamsburg academy i teach a couple leadership courses there and really really great stuff classical based liberal arts stuff and just studying the great things and really preparing youth and, and young adults to lead out. But yeah, the parents parents hire me to to lead the the educational and and personal development pursuits for their young women and young men. Did you have that established before leaving on your trip, or was this something that you worked out while you were on the road? No, it came it came along the road. Yeah, we and we've done several different things along the road and and explored many different ideas and actually started a few different 
companies. Um, and it, we just kind of fell into this. And this, this for us, one of the things I guess I got to share is that we're, we think it's so important to live purposely. And I know, I know, I know people have strong feelings about that, but I feel like everyone has a, a purpose, um, a mission, maybe a gift or a, like I like to call it, they, everyone has a song to sing, something they can offer. And so it's not, it's not merely about making money. It's not merely about having an income source. I think it's possible to earn an income, a good income, doing something you love to do. And man, we, I, I'm in my spot. <laughs> I'm singing my song and I love it. And so it's a great way to earn a, a good income and to do something you really love and are passionate about. On the road, I know you've been on the road for quite a while. You must have come across uh, lots of people that are on the road and earning income and you know, basically just weren't willing to wait until they were old and rich to head out. And I think if memory is correct, didn't you and your wife, I think you created a series of videos uh, at some point uh, profiling different people and their stories. Could you share some of the ideas and some of the different paths that you've come across of other families, how they've taken their families on the road and paid for it while they traveled? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we found an astoundingly a lot of people out doing this and, and living unconventionally, either living abroad or, or traveling full time or even kind of nomadic, uh, either as single people or couples or families. And we were shocked to find that many. Um, so many of them who didn't have blogs were just out wandering the earth and and we, everywhere we went, we started meeting more and more people. And, and as we pulled out of Alaska with our website, people started to contact us all along the way and said, hey, we'll, we'll meet up here. And hey, come stay with us here. And oh, when you get there, we'll meet up there. And, and we've built some absolutely incredible uh, friendships, but also started meeting all these people. And, start, and, I, and of course, I'm a very curious person. I wanted to learn. So I started just asking all these great questions and getting these excellent stories I thought, you know, I got to get this on video. I got to, I got to record these things and share it with people. And so we did. We started, started a, a series there, just interviewing all the the travelers we met and and the curiosity of, well, how do, how are you funding this lifestyle? How are you making it happen? And and how are you building your life? And it was so fun, and so insightful to see. You know, a single guy who can live in Central America or Asia on as little as 500 bucks a month and live pretty well. I mean, you, you can do it. If you're a minimalist, you can live pretty well on a few hundred bucks up to, you know, I, I interviewed families that are making uh, $75,000 a month, uh, no, $30,000 a month, several, $20,000, $25,000 a month. And they're mobile. They're completely mobile. They can do their work from wherever they want. And so they choose where they want to live just because they feel like living there for a while. And if they want to move, they'll move. And so it was fascinating to see how they built their businesses, how they run their businesses, how they grow their businesses, and, and how they build it around their lifestyle. And I guess that was a common thing that most of them chose a lifestyle and then built a business around that instead of choosing a career or having a career choose them and then building their life around that career. So it was, it was a really unconventional idea and pretty fascinating and powerful and, and fun to explore and understand that. So obviously all of the work was being done through an internet connection, but what were the types of actual careers? Was it all selling get-rich-quick schemes on the internet, or were just some of them people had taken more traditional roles online? What were the types of jobs that people were doing? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And a lot of people uh, you know, kind of jump on that and, and immediately assume, oh, it's probably some blogger blogging about their travelers, their travels and, and trying, to sell, trying to sell something. And what I found for the most part, actually, it was quite different. Almost, almost none of the people we interviewed did it that way. They actually were, were doing things that were pretty, pretty normal and pretty simple. And some of them actually were in, in location. So there was a few of them that were not, don't require internet. But now, nowadays, most of it's required an internet. Let me think through a few of them. Uh, one of them, they, they were wholesale. They, would wholesale. they had set up wholesale accounts selling uh, watches and jewelry. Another one sold um, electronic cigarettes. Another one was, several of them actually have been virtual assistants uh, where they do kind of, they, they do either marketing or web design or 
assistant type work for, for businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, some of the others, one of them ran a, a running company, had a running company. Uh, some did some teaching. Um, some did multi-level marketing things or sold other uh, products. Several of them did information products. Uh, they would, you know, create eBooks. Some of them were in travel, you know, how to, how to travel, how to travel with family, how to travel, you know, around the world, how to travel cheaply. Um, man, I'm trying to think through them. There's, there were so many different options and so many different ideas. Well, uh, several of them were investors. I interviewed several investors. One did Forex trading. One did uh, um, just straight stocks. One traded options. Uh, others did real estate investing or sold real estate in that country wherever they chose to go live. I mean, there's just so many different options. That's what astounded me is, you know, you kind of roll out thinking, oh, there's, there's, there's only probably only a couple ways to really make money online. And the truth is there are more and more ways every day. And in fact, the, the variety of ways to do it was as, as unique as the people who were doing it. Right. That's exactly kind of where I was hoping you would go because the trend I see is in the early – so-called, we're still in the early days. But you know, a decade or so ago, if you were going to make money online, it was probably going to be something relating to teaching people how to make money online or selling an info product or something like that. And nothing wrong with that. That can be hugely valuable. But I see a couple of trends. Number one, if you have a physical job, many physical jobs are very much in danger of being outsourced. And so you need to be careful of the type of physical work you have. You know, if you're working in a factory or if you're working in a, in a warehouse or something like that, it's only a matter of time until many of those jobs uh, get outsourced. If you're driving a truck or, or driving a car for a living, it's only a matter of time, I don't know, a decade or two before you know, all of those things will be self-driving. Uh, but many jobs that have been traditionally done in offices have easily made a transition to being done just simply through the internet connection. So whether it's the type of work that I do with uh, my with this podcast, with this show, whether it's the type of work I do as a financial advisor, whether it's, uh, you know, there's just so many things where it's getting easier and easier. And so I think more and more jobs or businesses that people are already engaged in can simply be moved virtually. And you might have to shuffle some clients around. Uh, you might have to fire a few and get, get a few new ones that are willing to work with you in that way. But, but there are so many options open to people at this point uh, that never existed before where simply location is not that big a deal. And so uh, you can the, the world is truly uh, open to you. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because it's it's critical that people understand that. And in fact, you kind of sparked the, the memory of several people we interviewed who actually, in, you know, they asked their employer, hey, could I work remotely? And in mo many cases, reporters like, well, let's give it a try. And it worked. And then there's big, big organizations that have huge calling centers. Uh, they're just saying, you know what, let's let's figure out how we can pe get people to answer the phones at home. And so they're getting rid of these huge office buildings. And they're getting rid of the, all the overhead and, and the commute time and all these other, other obstacles. And they're moving things to, yeah, to the digital life. So you can do it from home or you can do it wherever you are in the world. And it's changing. You know? And I love to think about that whole idea. You know, five years from now, we're gonna, there's going to be something that we depend on that doesn't even exist today. Yep. Yep. And we're going to be you know, using things that don't exist that we're going to say, we've got to have that. I mean, new technologies are going to come out. They're going to offer so many more jobs. And so many more opportunities, but people have got to be willing to change and explore new ideas and stay current with things and, and with their own growth and their own skills and abilities and their knowledge. I mean, think about how, how uh, movie rental stores seemed like such a solid investment. Like, you know, people will always watch a movie. Let's, let's open a movie rental store. They're, they're, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> It went from video cassettes to DVDs to now you just you click a button on your computer and you can rent a movie. Yep. And it's just just fascinating. So you got to be able to to change and adapt to those these exciting times we live in. You tried a few different things, though, and you've tried many things, and I'm sure you'll try more before you found what's currently effective for you, which is this online tutoring and mentoring, right? Right. So I just wanted to make that point because that's also something I've I've seen and heard, uh, or I just have I've observed. There's a very uncomfortable 
the, the transition that's happening in our society is very uncomfortable. So some businesses, I think it was a year ago that Yahoo was famous for kind of revoking a lot of their work from home stuff and saying we've got to come back in the office. And so some things are working, some things aren't working. Some uh, jobs and businesses, people are finding, no, I really do need this in-person interaction. Uh, and some people are finding, no, I really don't. So I would just say if you're going to pursue this type of alternative lifestyle, be flexible and be willing to work at things and adapt and change and don't feel like if you do something and it doesn't work, that that's the end of your life. You can find a way to make – you can find a way to, to press through and, and assure the dream if you're willing to keep working at it. Oh, absolutely. And, and almost it's almost essential, I would say. In fact, I'd be bold enough to say that you, you kind of have to fail a couple times. You have to fail forward. You have to try stuff. Like I mentioned, I'm a voracious reader. I read biographies, autobiographies, and studies. And so many of the very successful uh, people we look at and admire uh, had failures, even bankruptcies. Uh, I know several multimillionaires who said, yeah, you know, two or three bankruptcies, kind of the norm before you really get, get going and get humming. And, and they fail forward. They try things that don't work out. And, and a lot of people we interviewed said, yeah, you know, we tried this, we tried that. It didn't work, but we learned so many great lessons. And because of those lessons, we were able to start it up again and really make it happen. So there's almost this failing forward process that I think, you know, you try things and don't throw in the towel, don't give up. And like you were saying, be very flexible and be able to move with what's, what's happening in the, in the current demographics and in society. Greg, what makes people willing to fail? A vision, and I, I think w- where people lack a vision, they'll they'll be they're afraid of failure, and be willing to quit. Th- to either one, not to try at all, or two, to give up. But you've got to have a clear vision of where you're going and what you want, and because failing's not easy, and man, is it uncomfortable. <laughs> right, and it, it's brutal. But you have to be willing to fail, learn from your failures, and get up, dust yourself off, and do it again. And, and I think one of the main things, you've got to have a vision of where you're going or else it, you just can't stick through it. The reason I say it, it's interesting because to me, in my work, both in my own personal life and then in my work with financial planning clients, I think this is one of the areas where we could use some uh, enhancements on, I guess, the literature that's available. Because what I was always frustrated, I, I read a lot as well. And what, one of the things that always frustrated me was reading about people talking about, oh, failure is going to be valuable for you. And to be fair, very few authors say that failure is fun. It's certainly not fun. Most people acknowledge that it's not fun. But many times, people, authors, or, or, or things that you read, they kind of just gloss over. I guess the reasons why you would be willing to accept failure. And I know for me, I've watched so many people where I look at their situation. I say, look, it's simple. Just do this, 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 this. And no, I can't guarantee it's going to work, but it's probably going to work. Uh, but then I look at my own personal journey and I closed my financial planning practice to start Radical Personal Finance. And there is zero chance of, excuse me, there's zero assurance of success. Uh, in fact, it's a much, uh, it's probably the most difficult, uh, risky, you know, business venture that I could imagine doing. But I just came to the point where I didn't, I, I was more, I'm more, I still am. I'm more willing to just simply accept failure. I'm more willing to sell my house. I'm more willing to, um, you know, go into debt. I'm more willing to shoot. If I wind up bankrupt, whatever, I'll deal with it. Uh, and I just was got to the point where I just didn't really care. Meaning I do care. I'm not, you know, my, my word is good. It's very important to me to do things well, but I got to the point where I feared not trying and, and regretting something more than I feared trying something and failing at it. And, it's hard to articulate that because it's a very transformative experience, uh, but it's something I think a lot about and try to help how to help people not not pursue something that's not going to work, but be willing to have something that you want that you're willing to pursue enough so that even if it doesn't work, you're still satisfied with your choice to pursue it. Yes, amen, amen, and to to be able to kind of put it on the line. In order to live a, a better story, to to take that risk, to well, like I mentioned, the being to live deliberately, to step out there and and make it happen. Yeah. Oh, it's it's what I call the exchange rate. You know, 
what, what are you willing to exchange your life and time for? And are you willing to, to take those risks in order to build something great, in order to build a life that you absolutely love? And part of that is that, well, I guess my favorite saying is that failure is fertilizer. And you got it. <laughs> and it, it stinks, but man, it, it, it's good. It gets the work done, and you. I love. I love your story. That's a great story. Where you just, you know, you got to put online and face face the consequences or the potential consequences, and say, "I'll deal with that if it comes." But I'm willing to put it on the line here and to get, like Theodore Roosevelt says, to get in the arena, right, and get dirty and maybe a little bloody, but to get in there and not be with those timid souls who need know neither victory nor defeat. <laughs> I love that quote, and. Again, it's not that good planning isn't important. You know, I, I certainly I don't ha- I have zero intention of winding up bankrupt. Uh, I acknowledge that it's a it's a theoretical possibility, but good planning can can avoid that for the most part. Uh, and so I have zero intention of ever winding up in that place. I guess the point is, you, you get to a, a scenario, you get to a place in life where you just realize, no matter what, this is something that needs to be pursued. And I think there's a real joy in the work there's a real joy in the struggle that we don't often discuss in our society it seems as though uh, in our modern era we look to pleasure as a f- source of happiness and we assume that if life is easy and if life is pleasurable we look then that's going to be uh, that's going to be what's you know truly joyful but the reality is there's a great joy in victory, and my proof for that is look at all the people that wake up at 5 in the morning and go out and run every day. Look at all the people who sign up for an extreme sport or who sign up for a triathlon. and Look at all the people who, who are looking desperately for this sense of accomplishment that comes through doing something that's difficult. Uh, and I would never tell someone what they should, where they should or shouldn't find it, but you can find it in running a triathlon, and you can also find it in – Building a business, you can find it in traveling in a in a different country where it's a little bit more difficult to travel comfortably. And there's a real joy that I find, at least, being out there and working hard at something that's difficult because you get that sense of accomplishment, which it's easy not to get in modern Western society. Oh man, I love that. It, it really resonates with me. And not not even the accomplishments, amazing, but some of us thrive on the challenge. And the difficulty and the struggle, and I think that's what you mean by the, the accomplishment there. Like you did something really hard, right? And you know, I, I did triathlons for years, and so I'm sitting here. You're, you're naming these times like, oh yeah, those were brutal. <laughs> and I get up every day at 4 a.m. so I can study and, and exercise, and I love pushing myself. And you're right. So I, I got to share this because it, it just changed. It changed my whole reality. It, it's a phrase called bread and circuses. Um, in Latin, I'm going to kill the Latin, but it's it's panem et circenses is what it is, the bread and circuses. And what it did, it brought about the the fall of Rome, and it was it was the idea they came in, these politicians came in, and they wanted to win the votes. And the idea was, look, if I give, if we get the people to have food and entertainment, so bread and circuses, right? If we if we give them food, cheap food and cheap entertainment, right? Then then they'll have the, we, we give them, I'm quoting here, the satisfaction of the immediate shallow requirements of the populace. And so you just kind of, you know, get them to settle in and be content. It's a means of appeasement, you know, public approval. And, and it just kind of sets over. So a lot of us, we, we settle in and we're like, well, no, let's, let's find something that's easy and comfortable. Right? We love ease and comfort. We love entertainment. And I think sometimes we can really miss out on the the great parts of life if if what we often seek is food cheap food and cheap entertainment and and that brought down this uh, juvenile said it this brought down the fall of rome mm-hmm. it was that was that movement toward just you know if we got food and we have entertainment we're good to go but but i think you're absolutely right that we can we can push ourselves and be wise and plan and prepare you don't have to be crazy but but to be be willing at some point you say okay you know it's never going to be a perfect time it's you got to just take a step into the darkness and go for it. How do you keep your energy high? And what I mean is that you are an extremely energetic and uh, 
effusive person. And if I weren't familiar with your work, I would think in many ways that it was a front. But having seen your work over the years, I'm convinced that it's actually probably how you express yourself on a daily basis. How do you keep your energy so high? Uh, that's funny, Josh, you bring that up. It, it's it's true. A lot of people are like, man, are you are you being fake? Are you putting, is this your, is this your microphone voice, your camera face or whatever? But this is how I live. I just, I'm a really excited and excitable guy and, and I live with high energy. You know, some of my friends call me the, it's like a, I'm a walk, walking antidepressant, you know, just like, <laughs> yeah, I just love life. And, and like I mentioned in the beginning, I came from, I came from a dark place, man. And, and those were some hard years where I had no friends around, no family, just some real struggles in some, in some tough areas. And I thought, you know, life doesn't have to be like this. Life can be great. And I live with a deep sense of gratitude. Uh, for me, my, my alarm clock is an opportunity clock. Sincerely. I mean, I, I, I'm grateful to be alive and to count those blessings, to, to you know, have my health and, and a family and, and be able to live and, and do things that I love to do and, and make a difference in the world to live on purpose. So, so how do I maintain the energy? It's, it's a, you know, I view myself as a holistic person, as a whole person. And, you know, it's, it's spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, and socially. It's, it's, it's balancing those things, giving each of them not equal attention, but appropriate attention as much as each of them needs to be healthy and well. But uh, too many of us get, we get burned out, uh, one way or the other. Maybe we're not, we don't have the physical health or the emotional strength or, or relationships are hurting or, or we neglected our the spiritual side of ourselves. And so if we, if we keep all those in, a, in a, an appropriate balance and we spend time each day working on our highest priorities, you know, I, I eat very, very well. I exercise vigorously every day. You know, I spend time in, in meditation and prayer, you know, work on emotional mastery and greatness and, and relationships. Man, it just makes for an absolutely fantastic life. And it, it, it's not a front. And I, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you have that experience with me. To go now, enough time that I, this this is consistently <laughs> who I am and who I try to be, and I really am excited and happy, and I, I I sincerely love life. It's it's not a show. I just I'm like this. My kids will tell you that. My wife will tell you that. My friends will tell you that. But but it's a for me, it's it's a great way to live. I really live with enthusiasm, and and I just want to be happy all the time, and really really not miss out on on a, a fun day of life. What were the catalysts in your early life? You said twice now that you, you said you came from a really a tough a tough starting place what were the catalysts in your early life that kind of made a real difference in the direction of your life were there people was there influences was there were books what 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 made a real difference in your life in those early years oh man that's such a great question i there was i was reading great books i i realized that life didn't have to be that way at some point I don't even know if I would have cognitively have stated it this way, but at some point I kind of came to the realization that life is exactly what you make of it. And if other people were living happy, successful lives, then I could too. And I came to the realization that nothing will get better until I do. And that's just a great truth there, that nothing gets better until you do, and then everything gets better as you do. And that, that I wasn't a victim. And so along the way, there were you know, a yes, of course, there were great people who reached out and helped and mentored, led me. And then great books that started to shift my reality. And then I just came to this clear idea that I was accountable. Yes, people had done things to me. Yes, my parents had made mistakes. And yes, I had been wronged. And that was my past. But living in the past wasn't going to help me. And I, came, I came to this day where I just realized, you know what? I am accountable from this point on. I am accountable for how my life turns out. And I better make it awesome. Why not? You know, if, if I get to choose, then choose awesome. And so I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to go after it vigorously. That was 20 years ago. And I have been studying voraciously in personal development and history and class, great classics and the best books and the great questions and, and really pushing after personal development and trying to make the most of myself. And, and I believe, I guess I would say the, the greatest tragedy in the world is when a person, you or I, does not reach their full potential. And so I go after it vigorously trying to be my very best self. And when we take full responsibility for our lives and we make a clear plan to build life as we want to live it, then, then there's a path and there's a way and it's, 
it's awesome. It's not all roses and not all, you know, fun. There's always challenges and obstacles, but man, life is great. When you and your wife originally had the idea to start traveling, was one of you really the champion of that idea and had to get the other person on board or did you come to it together? Fortunately, because we both read so much, it was easy. It wasn't one of us convincing the other. Um, we, we both had come across all these different books. We'd say, hey, this is a great book. Why don't you read it? And we'd read it and go, oh, hey, that's a great idea. And we kind of discussed these ideas. And so luckily, from really from the time we were married, we've grown together in our vision. And fortunately, we both you know, felt strongly about this. And we've read the same books and had the same discussions and really you know, same experiences and come to similar conclusions, at least. We don't agree on everything, but we really came to these conclusions like, yeah, there's there's a different way to live. There's an unconventional way to live. And at least for our family, we want to we wanna grow up with a global perspective and get out and see this beautiful world and make a difference while we're doing it. So it's just been a really great blessing that on most of those things we've seen eye to eye and been able to move together. And man, it's so much better when you can move together like that. Absolutely. A uh, couple of final questions here. And I want to probe just a little bit with regard to, uh, let's start with, just some of the let's start with this what is the biggest challenge or a few of the biggest challenges and i understand that it's great and it's exciting and it's really uh wonderful but but every every lifestyle that we choose certainly has things that are difficult uh, what are the biggest difficulties and challenges of the lifestyle that you've chosen so i guess i would have to say conveniences is what it is um you know it Especially if you if people are interested in traveling or living abroad long term or kind of traveling long term, and that's I guess that's kind of kind of our lifestyle. In each place, it's very different. And if you go in with certain expectations, or you want every place to be, say for example, you want every place to be like the United States, well, you know, you think, hey, well, well back in the states, we do it like this, we do it like that. <laughs> but you can drive yourself crazy going ah, always comparing to how it is somewhere else. And I think there, there's just inconveniences. And you know, we my wife and I were talking about that last night. So you know, it's just. It's absolutely worth it for us, and for some people, it's not worth it. But for us, it's it's worth some of the inconveniences with different visas or, or the inability to get different products. You know, in some of the countries, it's really hard to find the things you're after, uh, whether it be books or certain appliances or getting your computer repaired or something. There's some of those things that just come with with travel that are some of the inconveniences, but too big of an exchange rate to be inconvenienced. But I would say, for for us personally, I would say that's it. We. We homeschool. We, we we clearly discuss school or, or what we call world school our children, and so the you know the schools hasn't been a, a big issue, but it is for some. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and you're away from family, and and there's a lot of you get a lot of criticism for living unconventionally, and that you have to be able to handle some of that too as it comes in. Are you concerned about your children and your family not feeling a sense of community? As they get older, oh, really great question. Um, and we are we're very uh, passionate about that and very intentional about that. We want to raise leaders who are uh, have great social skills and a great education and are willing to and able to communicate effectively and relate to both young and old and rich and poor and black and white and, and everything in between and every race and religion and to really connect. And it's been fun as a family to connect in the communities where we've had. So we don't have an in-person really long-term connection. Like we don't spend 10 years in one place, but we've, we've connected deeply with a lot of people in a lot of places. And literally it's been fun. We have friends all over this world. And our children have friends all over the world, and it, yeah, it's just it's just a great experience. And now technology is so good that we can we can do video video conferencing constantly with family and friends all over the place. And so, no, I'm not I'm not concerned about that lack of community because wherever we are, we dig in and we connect, and when we stay connected to our close friends, and and where travel has become inexpensive and easy, we're we're constantly all over the place and connecting. So, no, I'm not I'm not concerned about that with them. If you were going to pick a day, and not the ideal day, that if you were going to write a blog post about the ideal day to tell people why travel is so great, uh, uh, but an actual day, uh, I'm interested to know what, uh, for you as a father with six active children, 
uh, and um, your wife and you both have a lot of responsibility and you're trying to earn an income and manage your children and learn where to go to get the type of shampoo that doesn't make your hair flake and uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> where, what does an actual day look like for you uh, uh, as far as how you run your schedule at this point with your family and your online work and all of your responsibilities? Yeah, awesome, awesome question. And you have to be you have to be pretty intense about it if you want to stay prioritized. You have to you have to stick to your things because there's so many distractions. And you know that's true whether you move or you stay in one place. Uh, there's always the, the laundry, the dishes, the people calling here, the little urgencies, the fires to put out. You have to be intense about reaching your biggest priorities each day. So, like I mentioned, I wake up really early, usually around four, um, and I spend time. You know, meditation and planning goals. Uh, uh, I, I read scripture and I read great books. I do all my studying and like just kind of my personal priorities. And I get some exercise in. And that's what we do first thing in the morning. And then then we have a, a morning devotional that we do. And we always stick to it where we we sit down as a family. We have all our meals together as a family. But in the morning we do our studying. We do our memorizing as a family. We memorize great things. And then you know, then, then they jump right into education. And that's where I'll go do my mentoring and my work. And my wife will spend time then the, the first few hours of the day helping each kid get their education in and, and work on each of their subjects and kind of dig into that. And then we always try to, and, and they'll do that for several hours. And then they get their playtime, their adventure time. They get out and run around in the, in the rainforest here and play and have a good time. And we always like to do, we always like to do some kind of adventure, either to go for a run or a hike or run down to the beach. Um, I like to go down early in the morning. Sometimes I'll go down and surf with my sons. Uh, just two couple weeks ago, we were surfing, and these babies, these baby sea turtles, swam past us. We grabbed one and played with it for a minute. It was just, it was epic, man. It was <laughs> awesome. Watch the sunrise, play with a little sea turtle on the surfboard there with my son, who's ten, and you know, have those bonding experiences. It was a great experience together. We'll go jump in a waterfall down here, or, or just go do something fun, or we'll go surf. We, and this isn't every day, but. We try to throw this in where we go out and you know serve someone who's in need, go visit someone, and and then uh, every night before bed I read to the kids, and so that's kind of these rituals we stick to, and then they change. You you know got to run to town for the get the groceries in the in the open markets here, or you got to go down and you know visit with some friends or something. But but for the most part, that's that's usually the how the day goes. Do you restrict your work to those hours in the morning in which your kids are studying? Yes. Uh, for the most part, my schedule is usually from like eight to two, eight to three. Now I do a ton of reading. And so I'll in the, or in the morning or in the afternoons, late afternoons, I'll sit down and do some reading or some studying or prep work, which is part of my work. Um, but I count on being interrupted. A little baby needs to be held or a little boy wants to show me something he's working on, or my daughter wants to you know, do some, go share me, show me something or have a little venture. And so I plan on being interrupted, but I spend some time on, and, and I'm with them. And I, I guess that's cool. That's kind of lifestyle we've kind of designed that I'm here. And, you know, I can, I can be sitting there doing some, some reading or some studying or prep work, but I'm right here and I can be interrupted. Why is it a big deal to you that you and your wife are involved with your kids' educations? Is it just circumstantial because that's the way you have to do it if you want to travel? Or was that important to you even if you weren't traveling? Yeah, absolutely. We, 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 right after we got married, we decided that's the way it'd be. We wanted, we didn't, that's not something we wanted to outsource completely. Now, obviously there's tons of resources and we like hiring tutors to, to come in and help with specialties that we may not cover as well. Or often, you know, sometimes your child will respond better to a third party than to you. And, um, but we want to have, be hands-on with our kids' education because it's so important to us that they get a, a literally a world-class education and a leadership education. And so we are hands-on to that and always involved and always will be. That's, that's important to us and has been from the beginning. So whether we were, if we were back in the States just living out the uh, life that we were doing before, we'd still do the same thing. Practically, there in Costa Rica, how practically are your kids studying right now? Is the are you do you have a bunch of books and they're working their way through books? Are you are they all sharing one computer? Do you have six iPads floating around the living room? How do you practically do it? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, and it is. It's funny. We pack hundreds of books all over the world. I feel like a pack mule sometimes moving the books, but we feel it's important to have books in hand. Um, 
and yes, we have lots of digital books and lots of audio books. We use all three uh, media there, but but we definitely are using uh, paper books. Have lots of them. We pack them all over. So and and ours is is a classical based um, curriculum, I guess you could call it. So a lot of great books, the, the best books that have been written throughout time. We also do have uh, uh, the iPad, the iPhone, a couple computers, you know, a couple Kindle Fires. And so the kids will do like Khan Academy, excellent resource. They do Duolingo, which is also a phenomenal resource for languages. Uh, they'll get on, they'll do math games. And, you know, we do a lot of researching for, you know, the sciences, the arts. We'll, I, I kind of think like there isn't anything you can't do with YouTube. <laughs> right. You could learn almost anything. It's really great. And then, you know, we can do some tutoring and meet up with other people. You can do a Skype session or something with someone who's, who's got a gift. You can even take music lessons online or other resources. So, so it really is, it's such an exciting time to be alive because, you know, with some books in hand and access to the Internet and a computer or an iPad, you can really get access to just about anything you need to for a great education. So my final question is this. I'm a big fan of travel, and at this stage in my life and with my family, we've decided it's not something that uh, that we're pursuing at this stage, but it may in the future. We'll see how time works out. But one of the things I think is most valuable about travel that uh, many people don't talk about is everyone focuses on perhaps many people focus on the romance of travel, the idea of doing something different. But I think there are some lessons from travel that could be applied uh, when you're living in one space. So I'm curious to know, if you, if I put a situation in your life, let's say that you had you know, ailing parents, either you or your wife or uh, a relative that you needed to be close to and you were going to be in, and I were going to bring you back to the United States and, and put you in a place that you were familiar with for, and you were going to be there for a few years, I'm interested to know, after all your years on the road, what would you, how would you structure your days? How would you structure your life? And what lessons would you apply to that more common, so to speak, type of life, more conventional-looking life? Uh, that, what lessons would you apply to that type of lifestyle that you've learned from your time on the road? Woo! Man, that's a really great question. That's well thought out. I like that a lot. Um, my initial reaction to that would be like, no, <laughs> I can't do it, except for what, what's called adult ADD, adventure deficit disorder. <laughs> I like it. I, I got to get out and play. So, no, but I've thought about that often, and I have a lot of friends and people who contact us constantly on our websites and say, you know, we're not going to get out. You know, how, how do we, how do, yeah, basically what your question is, what do you apply all these things you've learned? How do you make it happen? And here's, here's what I would do as I've thought through that often. I, I've literally thought about that question often. I think we all need we all need novelty, um, new experiences, and actually you can you can study this physiologically. That there's there's neural connections that happen with novelty, and there's actually a dopamine and serotonin and the endorphins that get released into your body as you're having new experiences. And I think one of the things we miss out if we're staying in one place is we don't create enough new experiences. We get comfortable with one thing and we kind of settle in, sometimes mentally, emotionally, socially, physically. We just kind of settle in and we stay. And that doesn't have to be the case, even if you live in the same place. You can go to new restaurants. You can run at different places. You can you know, go out and meet new people. You can have new experiences. And I would just say you'd have to be, and I especially would have to be, very deliberate about having adventures and challenges. I would I would be signed up for all kinds of different races. I'd sign up for a decathlon or something, just something to challenge me on all kinds of levels. I would get involved in community projects or organizations or groups that were challenging me mentally and socially. And I would be planning. I'd be very, very strategic. I'd plan out a year and do you know one small adventure a week, one pretty great adventure a month, and one epic adventure every quarter. Uh, to make sure that I personally am feeling alive and and getting out and connecting, and and I would I would be intense about learning another language and practicing it with anyone I could find, taking new classes, and well, especially in the states because we don't we miss that down here. I'd be spending a lot of time at the library. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think it's it's and that's why I wanted to, wanted to wrap up in one of those places because oftentimes that's why I wanted to wrap up with that 
wrap up with that question. Oftentimes, we romanticize another person's life. Uh, we romanticize another person's experiences. Uh, and I think each of us, hopefully, should just be focused on living the life that is right for us. But I'll tell you, you know, one of the, for me, I've been blessed at a young age, and you know, I'm almost 30, and I've been blessed to be able to visit a lot of places and do a good amount of travel. Uh, and I'd like to do it, you know, I'd like to do more in the future. But for me, some of the most transformative experiences of my life have occurred because of the travel. And it wasn't necessarily the travel of itself, but rather it was the change of mindset. Uh, so whether it's you know my ability to feel content with my standard of living, I'll tell you, you know, for our honeymoon, my wife and I, we went to uh, the Dominican Republic and then to Haiti. And every time we travel in a place like that, you know, we spent several days in Haiti, uh, and you spend time in a place like that, you come back home and and. Uh, you know, we started off our life in a little 200 and uh, I think it was 234 square foot studio apartment after we were married. Uh, but we had just come back from Haiti and that apartment was beautiful. And I had friends that would say to me, like, how on earth can you live in this place? And I just say, listen, what on earth more do I need? I have a bed, I have a chair, I have a table, we have a kitchen and have a, 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 a bathroom and a closet, and a place for our clothes. We're two people. Why do we need anything more? Uh, why should I spend uh, to fulfill this external expectation of the U.S. American culture? After all, I'm thankful. You don't know where I just was. I'm thankful to be in this situation. I'm thankful to have such a beautiful place to live with where it's clean and it's bright and it's pretty and it's beautiful and it's safe and it's and it's easy. You know, I turn on the tap and there's hot water and I plug something into the wall and there's electricity. And so that would be an example for me or, or another one is that I have to continually remind myself of. I'm very, me personally, I'm very much a people pleaser and it's difficult for me to go against the grain. So I'm, I'm heavily influenced by peer pressure. And so it's easy for me to feel like I've got to keep up with everyone else. I've got to have the fanciest toy. I've got to drive the fanciest car. I need to, uh, you know, I need to look like everyone else. But when I travel sometimes and all that's stripped away and I don't ever have to compare myself to the other people, then I learned to be a little bit more confident in me. And so as an example, you know, one of my visions for my life is I don't want to be disconnected from my family. I don't want to live this common existence where, uh, you know, I wake up early in the morning and I scarf down a, a, a bite to eat and then I'm away from my family for the next 10 hours and I come home exhausted uh, at 6.30 at night, you know, or 7 o'clock at night. Maybe my kids are already in bed and I scarf down some food and flip on the TV. That's that, that's To me, that's not living. So, you know, I've, I've worked hard and I'm working hard on creating. I'm, I'm able in the U.S. American context, you know, I have three meals a day with my family. I wake up and I, I work from home and I do work that, that I care about. And then it's, I still need to, you know, work on, uh, and we try, you know, this afternoon, as soon as we finish up interviewing, it's a beautiful day here in South Florida. And I've got some more work that I probably should do, but you know what? It can wait. Uh, and I'm going to take my family on a little adventure and, and, and figure that out. Uh, so like these lessons from travel can be applied in any context and, and, uh, you don't have to just be on the road to – you don't just have to live in an RV to live simply. You don't just have to go to Costa Rica to learn Spanish and engage with new cultures and new cuisine. You don't have to go and eat street food in Nicaragua to eat street food. There's street food everywhere. You, just, you can make a choice other than TGI Fridays and that's a lesson that I think we don't talk enough about. Oh, man. I so agree. That is such a beautiful – paradigm you have across the board there. And I think that's the, that's the perspective you gain from getting out and having new experiences outside of, of our common experiences. It makes you just come back with a different perspective. I love that. Oh, I love that. Right. I guess that's that's one thing I might add to that. I'm, I think I would come back and try try living in one of those tiny houses that are right. become popular, <laughs> right? Just, just to say, hey, we did it. <laughs> I don't know. They, I think your wife is an adventurous sort, but unless that tiny house is parked on the beach with six kids and uh, the two of you, I think you need something a little bigger, at least a fifth yeah. wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is going crazy. Yeah, I floated, oh, I floated that idea with uh, with my wife. She didn't, she didn't fly for it. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm thankful. And I'm thankful 
grateful for it. If I were, right. if, it, if I were a single person, maybe. But uh, but you know, like I said, we we've got two kids, and we're hoping for we're hoping for more in the future. So That's um, awesome. So you need a little bit of space. So yeah, yeah. So Greg, where uh, let's see, discovershareinspire.com, and then was it gregdenning.com? What are your websites? Yep. Yep, discovershareinspire.com, gregdenning.com, and then worldschoolacademy.com. Man, I appreciate so much you coming on the show today. This was super fun, and I would encourage people to check out some of your adventures and others of your writing, and I'll make sure to link to all that stuff in the notes. Awesome. Thanks, Joshua. This was really enjoyable. Now, what do you need to apply from this to your life? Take it and apply it. I think the probably the biggest gem might be even there at the end. Just because you're not traveling doesn't mean you can't live a life of adventure. Plan it out. Think it through. Make a plan for how you can accomplish your personal adventure goals. It really is pretty inconvenient in many ways to live on the road. A lot of benefits from it, but it's also pretty inconvenient. And if you can take the desire for adventure and apply it to your situation, it might bring a little bit more zest to your daily life. Just a thought. Walk around your town. Schedule one of the a tour with a tour guide of your town. Walk around your town with your phone and, and do a photojournalist <laughs> shot. Take, take pictures of interesting things. I'm always a little bit envious of photographers because they seem to just notice so many interesting things because they're always looking through the lens of a camera. Interesting buildings and interesting um, just stuff everywhere. So how can you apply that to your life? I'm working on applying it to mine. Thrilled to be here sharing the journey with you. Thank you so much uh, for each of you who are supporting the show. Uh, Again, as mentioned in the beginning, uh, if you'd like to make sure we keep the show here uh, free of corporate interests, please go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. I would be thrilled if you would uh, do that. It would help so much. Uh, By June 1, the goal is by June 1, we need to get the show to $6,000 a month, and I can avoid taking advertising. That would be uh, in in excess. If I, under the rates today uh, of the listenership of the show, that's basically the the number uh, that I could get from advertisers with the number of shows that I do and the frequency. It would be about that five to six thousand dollar a number a month uh, number. So that's why one of the one of the goals. If we can get to that with listener support, I would really love to do that. So I just ask you for your help. Um, RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. Tomorrow I'll be back with a special show. If you are a patron of the show, check out the patron pay, pay, Patreon page, uh, the activity feed for the details of that, and you can have input into it. That's it. See you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you'd like to contact me personally, my email address is joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com. You can also connect with the show on Twitter at radicalpf and at facebook.com slash radicalpersonalfinance. This show is intended to provide entertainment, education, and financial enlightenment. But your situation is unique, and I cannot deliver any actionable advice without knowing anything about you. Please, develop a team of professional advisors who you find to be caring, competent, and trustworthy, and consult them because they are the ones who can understand your specific needs, your specific goals, and provide specific answers to your questions. I've done my absolute best to be clear and accurate in today's show, but I'm one person and I make mistakes. If you spot a mistake in something I've said, please help me by coming to the show page and commenting so we can all learn together. Until tomorrow, thanks for being here.